Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hi there. So welcome to Q. And uh, for those who are watching online, we say hello to you from across the world. Um, you might say, heck, that, we saw that last week. Why are you playing it again? Well, tonight we're just having a bit of a recap um, over the last six weeks. We've heard some fantastic stuff seen some fantastic things and sometimes we just need to pause and say maybe we need to bring a bit of that back to memory because come on how much do we retain and how much do we absorb so there's a few voices going to be speaking tonight and let me just give an invitation again anybody who feels oh I'd like to say something please come and you know talk to us because this is not just a one group uh, you know thing that goes on we you have a voice and if you have something to say please uh, offer your your services um so I picked this one because for me I think it sort of speaks so much uh, of where we are and and you know just going back a little bit thanks to Anne for everything he brings because it is fantastic and let's let's be honest it, it takes some doing when you're coming up with something of a very unconventional nature every week and you're not just banging the same drum, but you know, it, it takes some doing, so we're very, very grateful. So the video we've just seen, how does that fit with my life? I think it's important how we're applying it, isn't it? And uh, it's because here at Q, we're encouraged to look wider and uh, we, we might feel that for a long time we held a little cup of truth in our hand but when we realise we can place it in a particular location and uh, it becomes something completely different. And, uh, you know, the coloured juice in a cup might have meaning in itself, it might have purpose in itself, but it can be left just as that. But if we then introduce it into something bigger, we actually see the potential that it has within it and what it can reach. So... My understanding was for many years, my beliefs were pretty much akin to coloured water contained in a very small cup. But I can say now that having pulled my cup with many other cups of different colours and density, that at one time I would have called wrong or even untruths, I have stood back and seen what can be born once we let down those tribal boundaries. We might not be the only ones with the only truth, that only matters to the only people that God loves. We are open to a new sound that hits the chaos and creates something new. We are often told by many who uh, look on our website, they say, we love your website, we like what we see, but it's not clear who you're affiliated to or what are your fundamental truths. And so when they realise that we make no apologies for that, and we consider that that's our unique selling point. They are like the rich young ruler. They turn away sorrowing as they don't want to give up their little cup of coloured water in order that they might see the bigger picture. And I'm not saying that to make excuses for our size or anything. It's just 
the truth. It's what happens. And when you say no, we are open to a bigger picture. It's like, heck, that's too big. So keep, keep your little cup of water then, that's fine. But we want to see, see bigger than that. So my thoughts take me back to the early church who before Constantine gathered his bishops to develop creeds and a central confession of the Christian faith, they understood the Christ in a whole variety of ways. But suddenly those who strayed from this central held ethos were labelled heretics and the slaughter began. And so it is to this day. Jesus had become a door into an institution rather than a door into freedom and life. And his message of recognising that I am is the way, the truth and the life got lost in a religion that didn't really represent him at all. So how do we re restore this I amness to those who have forgotten who they are? Well, like Anth brought in his uh, message called the Maverick, if we're going to bring a change to a nation as with the Scots in William Wallace's time or to institu institutionalise people in our time, one has to be a, have a maverick spirit. One must stick their neck out over the parapet and declare it doesn't have to be this way. Here at Q, we are mavericks with a maverick gospel, following a maverick Jesus in a non-maverick world that all it wants us to do is conform. Well, it can dream on, that's what I say. So, we have been released from so much and I'm sure that a lot of you feel that and maybe you can't put it totally into words but one of the clips that, we, that is going to follow now is uh, from Kung Fu Panda and it was featured in a message, a wonderful message which was also very inspiring called The Next Right Thing and please go online, remind yourself of all this, it's absolutely stunning stuff. And uh, Beth is going to talk about this too, so it doesn't matter if we say the same thing, but I'm sure we won't, but she wants to talk about this too. But those words spoken to Panda while he's having his existential crisis was this, quit, don't quit, noodle, don't noodle. Those words are so powerful if you have ears to hear along with the idea that perhaps having a cheeseburger, a similarly, seemingly insignificant event in the grander scheme of things, might just be the most important thing you can do. In a world that's ruled by getting it right, the concept is truly exhilarating. You are too concerned with what was and what will be, says the master. And so what happens? You miss the present for some of us, having lived lives heavily burdened by the idea that we could miss the will of God and get so off track that somehow we could be relegated to a second-rate plan as a consequence, it is so freeing. How awesome that you can be freed from that. Leaving the idea that I need Jesus to cure me from my past of guilt and shame and also being obsessed with Jesus, if Jesus returns, will I be found acceptable, allows one to concern themselves with just enjoying the moment, breathing and experiencing life as it unfolds. 
I love Brendan Manning and mention him often as I speak. I love all his books. And he was a, a Catholic priest who spent many, many months in isolation, in, in caves up in mountains, seeking for God, not eating and, and flagellating and doing all sorts of things. He said this, and it's so powerful. I've decided that if I had my life to live over again, I would not I would not only climb more mountains, swim more rivers and watch more sunsets. I wouldn't only jettison my hot water bottle, raincoat, umbrellas, parachute and raft. I would not only go barefoot early in the spring and stay out later in the fall, but I would devote not one more minute to monitoring my spiritual growth. No, not one. Wow! I like Brennan Manning. He, he is my, one of my gurus, my, one of the people I will listen to. His point being, one can have lived and yet not truly lived. One could say that an obsession to measure spiritual growth has one constantly trying to figure where one has gone wrong. And while we're doing that, life is passing us by. There is a Zen saying that has become important to me. Before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. I love it. And some of you might have just gone. It's very, very powerful. Why is it powerful? Many on hearing this will be tempted to say, if that's the case, why bother with pursuing spirituality or enlightenment at all? So what is this trying to tell us? Basically, nothing changes on the outside in our doings, but everything changes on the inside in our being. It's simply about being present because it's about the freedom which we bring to every activity that is being done. I can hardly say this, but I find this really funny. And you'll find it funny because I probably can't say it, but it's this. Do what you're doing while you're doing it. Don't do what you're doing while you're, while you're not doing it. See, I told you I could hardly say it, but that's the, that's the key to this. Do you get it? Be present. In this way, you will discover the extraordinary in the ordinary. You will be in harmony, no hindrance, no conflict. We will inhabit the moment instead of inhibiting it with all sorts of excuses and conditions. And the greatest revelation of all is that the peach tree of wisdom that we spent a lifetime searching is just one regular peach tree. Oh, isn't that awesome? So having lived for years with a constant bickering of head and heart, blaming each other for the reasons why my life was what it was, I packed up my things and went to live in the lungs Whereas that wonderful poem that Anne so wonderfully brought to us by John Rodell said, before I could even knock, she opened the door with a smile and a gust of air embraced me and said, what took you so long? How wonderful it is to live in the lungs where there is no yesterday or tomorrow, only now, only inhale, only exhale, only this moment, only breath. This present moment since it knows neither past nor future, is itself timeless. And that which is timeless is eternal. Thus it can be said, eternal life belongs to those who live in the present. 
sometimes it's easy to uh, really not appreciate the effect of what we're drip fed every week. Um, I had a conversation this last week with somebody who probably, uh, I would say, was probably where I was about 15 years ago before we went the journey here. And it was, um, it was an amazing conversation and really helped me realize, wow, not everything I've learned, but everything I've unlearned. Chris was saying that we can be so obsessed with spiritual growth, but I think the paradox of growth is that to grow, you need to actually take off lots of the layers that actually we've accumulated in life. Um, so four weeks ago, <clears throat> Chris walked on the stage to a song. Can you remember what the song was? Anyone remember? It was a Spice Girls classic. Who do you think you are? Do you think you are? So I wanted to pose the question again to you because it's four weeks have gone by and I wonder, has that actually had an impact in your life? Have things been stripped off? Have you actually even asked yourself the question, who do you think you are? So I wanted to just ask it right now. Who is it that you think you are? And I put the accent on think because one thing that Chris mentioned that day was the mind is a great servant but a rubbish master. It's a great servant but a rubbish master. And I wonder what that means to you. So to me it means that what is running the show in my life? Is it my thoughts and my mind that is actually an accumulation of stuff that I've learned through my life? Um, sometimes it's learning who I need to be to survive, who I thought I needed to be to survive, who I need to be to be loved, who I think I needed to be to be enough. Um, but I don't think that what we think and what's going on in our mind is who we are, which I think is really good news because I think there's something even more precious and amazing underneath all of that. Okay, so um, on that week where we talked about who do you think you are, Ruth um, took us through this really cool process that I've found really helpful since then. Um, and it was something that she, I think she said Deepak Chopra had, uh, had introduced to her. Um, and the exercise was, I thought we'd do it again today because I think it, repetition is good. Um, so what you do is you say, I am, and then you think of your full name. So first name and surname. And then we say, I am, and just your first name. And then we just say, I am, and just think of our breathing. And we literally just focus in on that. Um, so I thought we'd do that now. And then I'll tell you kind of what came to me, what came to the surface in me through that process. And then we'll wrap it up. So you don't have to say it out loud, but... I am, and your full name. I'm just going to give 30 seconds. Just see what comes to the surface when you say to yourself, I am. So for me, the I am Danny Sewell brought up a lot of things to do with my heritage, my history, my background, my upbringing, my family. Um, my family has a Latin family motto, has a family crest, which is all about how our life isn't about us, it's about changing the world. It's like, man, you got to carry that around all day. And it's not like it's a bad thing. That's like a great, great thing to aspire to, but potentially, like Kung Fu Panda... Uh, 
man, I've got to be the dragon warrior. That's like, man, I've got to save the world every day. And this conversation I had this last week with someone, it was like, you can just see what the burden of thinking, even within the, the Christian circle, God has put me on this planet for a reason and there's a destiny that I have and unless I'm living up to that destiny then I'm failing and then maybe I'm not in the will of God and maybe God doesn't love me and maybe I'm going to hell when I die and it's like, man, this thing can become such a burden because of who we think we are and who we think we need to be. So whatever that was for you, I wonder whether some of that might need to be questioned, stripped away. I don't think that's who we really are. I think who we are is actually greater than that and lovable as we are. But let's strip down to the next layer. So the next layer was just your first name. So I want you to say, I am your first name. See what comes to the surface. Here we go. I am. Okay, so I don't know what it was for you, but for me, when I just said, I am Danny, it's incredible the picture we have of ourselves, isn't it, or what we think we need to have been in life. So for me, it is often hobbies or skills or attributes about myself that I think other people are seeing in me, and that's what I think I need to be, because some point in our journey from being born to where we are now, we kind of learned that... I'm not enough just as I am, and I'm not going to be really loved as I am. I need to be something else. And with Halloween coming up, spoiler alert, we often think we need to wear masks, and that mask is our personality sometimes, how we act out. Um, for me, it's been like, I need to, if I write these songs that sound really impressive, then people will think I'm something. It's like, well, what if I didn't? Who would I be then, you know? Am I enough without that? I play football, I love playing football. But I've learned in that environment that I'm really competitive, I love to win. What am I if I don't have that? Am I still enough just as me? So the final step that Ruth took us through was just to say, I am, and just focus in on your breath. We've talked a lot in the past about how the sound of our breathing from ancient cultures was actually the sound of... God, the name of God, whatever you want to call that, divine essence. And I think that really is the core of who we are, is that ultimate thing. And I think when we think we need to be something else, we're really settling for a, uh, I can't think of a good word to call it, we're settling for a second grade replacement for who we actually really are inside. So I'll give us 10 seconds just to say, I am focusing on that breath and also see what comes as a service then. It might be actually... Something beautiful. Here we go. I am. Okay. Um, to finish, uh, I want to invite the team back up. We are going to sing the song Unconditionally by Katy Perry. And I thought that this song was quite significant within this because I think the whole reason of who we think we need to be is often because we love ourselves conditionally and we have been loved conditionally which is why we think we need to put all these conditions on who we are. Um, but within this song, I don't know who Katy Perry wrote this song about but I was thinking it might be cool to sing this song to ourselves because often I remember a funeral we had for a lovely guy called Jamie here a few years ago, who would often tell us how much God loved him and how much God had forgiven him. 
But I remember Anth getting up at his funeral and saying, the problem with Jamie wasn't that he didn't know that God loved him. It's that he didn't love himself. It wasn't that he didn't know that God had forgiven him. He hadn't forgiven himself. And I think how we treat ourselves, what we say to ourselves is incredibly powerful. So as we sing this song, consider singing it to yourself and what those lyrics might mean if you did that and if we loved ourselves unconditionally. Hello. Um, So I wanted to talk about that clip tonight um, because when I saw it this morning, oh my goodness, we've been in the morning for ages. (laughs) This morning. um, Yeah, because when I saw it a few weeks ago now, um, it reminded me of quite a few moments in my life where I had got consumed by the decisions that I had to make. Um, And one particular story came to mind that was a bit trivial but I thought it's worth sharing because it's a bit of fun um and I have to give you a little bit of backstory so I went on holiday when I was 17 with a group of girls anybody that's been on a girls holiday as a teenager will know what they're like we went to Tenerife it was classy um and we went on a party boat um I don't know how many of you have been on party boats if you've not done it you've not lived um they're awful um but we, we went we booked with the rep to go on this party boat We got downstairs in the hotel for like ridiculous o'clock in the morning. We sat for ages because the minibus was late and um, we had all our bags with us with our swimming stuff and I don't know what else we had with us, towels maybe, stuff. Um, And then the the minibus was late so we were pacing up and down and it finally arrived, we hopped on, we got down to the port, we got on the boat and uh, my friend who was with me said, would you like me to put the room key um, that you've got in your like canvas bag with all your swimming stuff in my bag because I've got a zip compartment. I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And as soon as she said it, I realised that I didn't have that canvas bag. Um, and I thought, well, I need to just look, show willing. <laughs> so I looked around amongst all our bags and I'd left it in the hotel lobby in all the confusion of what went on, which was fine because it was hotel key in a hotel lobby. That would be fine. Um, but the bag also had all my swimming stuff in. Now, if any of you have been on a party boat, you know what happens on a party boat. Ultimately, everybody jumps off the boat at some point after a few drinks and um, throws themselves in the water. And it's all very jolly and lots of fun. And um, of course, my friends were very sympathetic and went, just going in your underwear. And I was like, oh, okay. Because there's a lot of peer pressure on these party boats, I'll tell you now, uh, involving all sorts of things. But one of them was jumping in. So um, I was like, I could do it in my underwear. Now, I'm going to tell you now, there's a reason why nobody goes swimming in their underwear. There's a reason why we have separate items. That they contain more lycra. They contain different materials to stop them going see-through, to stop them going baggy, all of that. But in that moment, oh, we're on a party boat in Tenerife. I'm just going to jump off. But as we jumped off this very high platform on a boat, all I could think was like, my underwear's going to go saggy it's going to come off it's going to be a disaster so I concerned myself in that moment with sorting that out and totally misjudged my jump and belly flopped in front of this entire I'm just mortified thinking of the moment (laughs) in front of this whole boat of people 12 years later I go on a family holiday to Corfu and we go on a sightseeing boat And I get on the boat, it's a sightseeing boat, right? That's what it is, round the island. And I get on the boat with my soon-to-be husband and his family. And they start listing off everything that's going to happen, everything we're going to see on this sightseeing boat. And um, and it sounds lovely, it sounds brilliant. And then they said at the end, and there'll be some surprises. And I'm thinking, oh, what will the surprises be? And I sit down on this chair and in front of me, there's a, a poster which shows like all the things that are going to happen. It's not me on the poster. I'm just going to tell you that. That would have been a brilliant end to this story. It wasn't me on the poster. There's a poster and um, it's got all the things that are going to happen. And then, and I'm thinking, well, there's no surprises on there. But the picture is of people launching themselves off the boat. 
And I'm sitting there thinking, this was a sightseeing tour. I haven't brought my swimwear again. Um, and I spent a good hour and 45 minutes staring at this poster, absolutely panicking about the fact I was going to have to jump off this boat, a boat of maybe 50 people in my underwear again, like for the second time in my life, which should never have happened the first time. And so I'm sitting there watching this poster thinking, okay, what could I do? How could I solve this situation? What underwear am I wearing? Like, okay, at 16, 17, I was probably wearing my Marks and Spencer's underwear that my mum bought me, and it probably wasn't that flattering. Now I've probably got better underwear on. Maybe I'll be okay. Maybe it'll be more like sucky in Maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be okay. And I'm like going through all this stuff in my head, absolutely panicked. And then Joe's grandma, which should have been the key to why we wouldn't be doing this, Joe's grandma was also on the boat. She tapped me on the shoulder and she was like, did you enjoy that? And I was like, enjoy what? She was like, we're getting off. Did you enjoy that? And I'm thinking, we've just been on this boat an hour and 45 minutes. And I spent the whole time worried about whether I was going to have to recreate this moment from Tenerife on a party boat when I was 16 in front of Joe's grandparents. Like that definitely wasn't going to happen. But I'd missed like the entire tour of the island because I'd been so concerned with what had been and what could be that actually never even came to pass. It never happened. And I was so worried about it. And that's a bit of a ridiculous story, but I feel like that it sums up a lot of my life, that I've spent a lot of my life in moments where I'm so worried about what has been and what, whether that could be again or what would be. Like being somebody who's experienced divorce and then wanting to get remarried, I sit there, I, there was moments where I sat there thinking, you know, but this happened before, but what if this happens then? And somebody who suffered miscarriage, I went through trying for a baby saying, but this happened then, like what happened then? And you miss the joy of the moment. My entire pregnancy with my beautiful little girl was marred by this whole panic of like, well, what if this is what that was and what if this then happens and and all of that like even the beginnings of my marriage and still sometimes now are like oh well he's doing what he did and oh do you know like here we and you suddenly go into this moment and I think but this is a different moment like there is a bigger picture here there is more to see than I am seeing from my tiny experience in my life and so I want to encourage you because I have sat in those pews missing this moment sometimes because I have been so concerned about what is going to happen afterwards or the following week. So whatever you're about to face this week, whatever you're, you think your experiences might be, don't miss this moment because you're worried about that or that. Like it's a totally different experience and this moment is more important than the decisions you're about to make going forward because living here living in this moment is the thing that where we're supposed to be that is the next right thing it isn't it's not important what's to come so enjoy the rest of your night and be here tonight this morning morning i could talk about that video for about a week um I'm not going to, don't worry, we are going to wrap up soon. But that, there's so much wisdom in that video. And I think it's incredible that it's being played in a church. Because <laughs> um, normally we have to be an authority on truth or else what we're gathering people around. So, I mean, watching it even twice will not be enough. It's massive. So I'm going to stick to my notes because um, we're back to really the tribe over truth and how we go about belonging and belonging is a very very real human need that we all have and it's a very powerful human need and we all know if we've not got it and we all feel like then the need is not being met and it helps it causes us to lose a perspective because our need to belong in a group 
is so precious to us sometimes that then we can't allow anything to threaten the belonging we would have to a group um, because that's very important to us. And according to Maslow's hierarchy of need, um, belonging involves feeling loved and accepted and it includes both romantic relationships as well as ties to friends, family members and our need to feel that we belong to a social group. Um, now the problem with being attached to that and to that sort of group think, which is another thing that's always interesting to read about, is when I then might choose to adopt a broader view, where does that leave me if I do that but not everyone in the group does? And the three questions I wrote down were, where will that leave me in terms of my connectedness and belonging? Will I then be stood at a distance from everyone else? And what if I belong and feel an affinity to more than one group? Will I be stranded in the middle? And so all this stuff starts to play out. And if my belonging in my own skin is dependent on whether I feel love and acceptance from those around me, I am not I am, but I am yours. Um, then I'm not I am, because I've said I'm, in your, I'm yours. Um, be this romantically or sacrificing myself for a worthy cause. If I can't ask the questions without a threat in my own mind or from others, perhaps my belonging then is only based on my compliance, not on a true picture. Um, now, the, the clip I nearly chose was the William Wallace um, one, where, um, if you weren't here, please watch it, the one where uh, Robert says, I'll stand with you, I'll fight with you, I'll be there to the end, chooses not to, doesn't tell him, and then he has that moment on the battlefield where William looks at him like, I mean, that look. I have had someone look at me with that look, and if I look back and don't live in the present, it haunts me <laughs> because, oh my, when you realise, oh, you, you expected me to do that and I did this. But it really made me think, I thought, what if Robert had had the conversation and said, William, I know what I said and I know I said I'd do that for you, but I'm really wrestling with it because my dad says this and the people I've grown up with says this and I see your cause, I believe in your cause, I want to go with your cause, but I'm not there yet, I'm not all in and I need your help because I need you to go over me again, with me again. Who are you? What are you doing? Because I, I know I want to stand with you. But in not having the conversation, he positions himself in the worst possible way for both of them. And part of what happens with this stuff is we won't even have the conversation as soon as our belonging to a group feels threatened. We decide, William Wallace is over here. My family and everything I've ever known is over here. Pick one. Instead of standing at a distance and saying, okay, I'm in the middle here, and I, but I need to make a choice and I need to have conversation. But it's easier to just go, oh, no, I'll just go this way and hope you don't get caught. And, and we all do that. Every single one of us has done that. Has, I've done it. I know I've done it. I know I've done it recently. You, you feel yourself just detaching. But if you don't then reattach to have the conversation, that's when it becomes a permanent thing that is actually very difficult to ever get back. Um, now, the reason why I know I belong to this group is because I feel no need to agree blindly without my own process of thought. I really don't. I, I really don't. I am not being asked not to think. Quite the opposite. And we've said repeatedly, we're being taught 
how to think, not what to think. And that is precious. And to have leaders like that in precious, uh, is precious. I will go up to either of these and have done and said, I don't get what you just said. I don't understand and I'm not sure I agree. That's amazing. That is amazing. And what we have is very precious. Um, now, where does it leave the group though? If we're all free to think independently, where does it leave us if we are trying to be a group working together on something? Because you've got to see both sides of the corn. Yay, I'm free. I can think and do what I want. But what if there is something to gather around? What if there is a cause? How do the two... It almost sounds paradoxical. Um, now, I've got a crease on my page and I can't read it. <laughs> now, um, we, if... Well, the conclusion I came to is this. If everyone commits to keep stepping away and not becoming too attached to their own view, we would all be zoomed out a bit. We would all be willing to have answers that can't be questioned, not answers that... Hang on. We, we would all be willing to have answers that can be questioned, not answers that can't be without us taking our ball home. There is belonging in the commitment to allow others their same thought process and to allow others to be in a conversation with us. And the conversation, to me, is the belonging. We're all in it and we're all committed to having a conversation about it and not walking away when that conversation goes in a direction that I don't see the world like that. That's the problem. I've never spent so much time on my own as I have in the past 18 months, not by choice, with lockdowns and working from home. And I've hated most of that. Um, but I have had to find out more of what I think than I ever have in my entire life because my groups were covered a lot of my belonging. And you can hide in groups, you can hide in groups your whole life without having to really think, who am I? What do I stand for? Where am I going to stand? What do I think about this? And then when you've found that position, commit to never staying there and always being willing to change your mind if you have to. And I'm just going to end with one story that... Um, I happened to hear yesterday, is the brief tale about the first century chief rabbi, Akiba ben Joseph. How lovely. As the story goes, he was returning home on foot late one evening after speaking in a village gathering. Somehow he'd become disorientated or perhaps distracted and missed the turn to his own village. After some time late into the night and hopelessly lost, he finally arrived at a closed gate to an unfamiliar city. The guard above the entrance shouted down, Who are you? Why are you here? Akiva was clearly confused and didn't reply. So the guard yelled again, emphatically this time, Who are you and why are you here? Suddenly Akiva smiled and inquired, How much do they pay you? Excuse me, asked the guard. Akiva repeated the question the guard replied, 10 denarii, to which Rabbi Akiva smiled and said, I will pay you three times that if you will return with me and awaken me each morning with those same two questions. Um, I thought that was brilliant. Um, and my closing thought is this, that you belong to a group here who want to ask those questions. You belong. Who are you and why are you here? And in asking those questions and being willing to be in a conversation, every conversation that needs to be had, it really does make for a wonderful life because we're always curious as to what else is 
out there. And that is genuinely wonderful and eye-opening and expansive. And we're right back to the picture Chris did at the beginning. That goes from being your one cup to being part of a many cup picture. And so this last song is all about um, the fact that this is a wonderful experience. And so let's just keep holding any answers we've come to in very, very lightly. Because if any of us in here think we know it all, that would be incredibly, incredibly foolish. Um, incredibly foolish. So have a wonderful life. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.